It's as if we've wandered the desert. Travelers without a home. Together yet alone in this uncertainty. An uncommon time, unexpected, undefined, binds us, unites us, does not divide us, but reminds us of who we are. A body, not a building, unrelenting, unyielding, persevering, revealing the faithfulness of God. Maybe this virus has started a fire inside us, ignited us, inspired us to live louder, love harder, care deeper. Six feet, six miles, or a world apart. Our calling remains the same. For we are the body of Christ. We indeed are the body of Christ. Uh, we have experienced uh, a lot of challenges, and I don't want to really focus on all of that. I, I, you know, the truth is we've been isolated. The truth is that uh, we've been distanced in so many ways, and I think we need a reminder of who we are, whether there is uh, six feet or six miles or whether we're sitting next to each other as we do now. Uh, whatever that is, we are still the body of Christ. We need each other. Uh, it's great that we've been able to uh, be able to stay in contact with each other and worship virtually. But there's no substitute for being in the church at the same time, worshiping with others who are part of that same body. Somehow the singing doesn't sound the same in your living room, does it? Um, we are better together. Uh, we are better together than we are as individuals. Now today we continue our sermon series entitled, If We Are the Body. This is part two. Uh, there are additional sermons which includes the intro available in any of those forms of media there if you would like to uh, go back and catch up on any of this. Uh, today, we are moving into Ephesians 4, verses 7 to 16. Page number is on the top of the screen, if you're going to use a pew Bible. And uh, it says, beginning with verse 7, Paul writes, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the, in, than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. 
From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So today, if you're following along on our outline, and I will tell you, you might need the back if you're, gonna, if you're one of those note takers, um, there are three truths that I'm going to share with you. And the first one is that the body of Christ is equipped by Christ. We are equipped by Christ. And starting with verse 7, and I just read all that for you, but it says, uh, but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So as we saw last week in our study, uh, Paul spoke about the oneness or the unity that already exists in the body of Christ. Um, every true believer is indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And it is the same Spirit that indwells every true believer. And now he continues to talk about how we function in that same kind of unity with the same Spirit. And what he's saying there, he's actually not necessarily quoting, but referring to uh, Psalm 68, 18. And I'm going to read that for you. It says, You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train, and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. In that psalm, David described the victorious acts of God, uh, the things that God had done. He really reminded the people, you know, God uh, parted the waters of the Red Sea. Uh, Pharaoh's army was destroyed. God was with them through the wilderness journey and all of those different things he talks about. And each of those scenarios, God's people were in difficult times and God delivered them. And he refers to this in relation to Jesus. And he's, you know, Jesus is the one who won a great victory for us. He won the victory over sin and death. Now, part of what he's describing here is when a, when a king or a warrior um, achieved a victory, uh, there would often be a great victory parade. And the spoils of that victory were displayed as, as they marched through the city. And the soldiers who were freed from being held prisoner were also part of that display that came through the town. In our text, Paul says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So it is in light of that psalm, in light of that scripture, that Paul is saying that Jesus is the great victor. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He freed us, we who were prisoners of sin and death have been set free. And instead of spoils, he gave gifts, and in this case, he gave gifts of the Spirit. So the first question we have to ask ourselves is, what is a spiritual gift? And the answer to that question is this. A spiritual gift is a special divine empowerment or enablement that is given to every believer by the Holy Spirit. That's a spiritual gift. 
depending what your theology is, there's different numbers of gifts found in, uh, mentioned specifically within the New Testament. There is also, we will say, well, how does that differ from a talent? Well, a talent is a natural ability to excel at or be good at something. Now, while you're digesting that, let me give you some comparisons. Spiritual gifts are accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. Talents are accomplished by the individual with or without the help of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Oftentimes, a spiritual gift is a gifting to do something that maybe you don't even have a natural talent to do. Here's another comparison. God gives spiritual gifts. God does the action. We develop talents. We do the action. So there's a difference between a spiritual gift because it's a spiritual enablement. It is a work that is accomplished by the Holy Spirit. Whereas a talent... We may have a, a special talent to do something. We may develop that talent, right? Those who are participating in the Olympics have talent, but they spend a lot of time developing that talent, right? Um, so in this text, there are four specific gifts that are mentioned. And in verse 11, he says, So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. So, let me just say this. Each of these particular, in the context, each of these particular gifts are used uh, in a way that they are accompanied by a divine call. Um, I believe that somebody who is in one of these offices in, in ministry is called by God to do that. A divine call begins with an inner impression um, a leading, a guiding, a tugging on the heart by the Holy Spirit. Uh, there is a growing um, leading of the Spirit into that, into that calling or into that direction. Uh, we do not enter vocational Christian ministry because one day we picked up a, a college catalog and eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and that's what we want to do. Or from the desire that we may have to to be in leadership in some way, um, and then uh, certainly not from the desire that one might want to work one day a week, uh, because uh, we know that that's a joke too. Um, but it comes from a clear call from God. This calling is first, in the EC Church, this calling is first sensed by the individual. In Pastor Josh's introductory message to this series, he talked about his own calling. Um, it's a confirmation because it's evidenced by having specific ministry gifts. And it's evidenced by the body of Christ. Over the past 20 plus years here at Bethany, there are three individuals who have specifically responded to a call to ministry. Uh, the first was my son Adam. And Adam serves as the lead pastor at Grace EC Church in Kutztown. And he's been there for, I don't know, he's been in ministry a lot of years. He left here in 2003, whatever that means, a um, long time. And then Rob Valentine, um, local person, grew up here in town. Uh, his kids came to Vacation Bible School in 2005, and they started bringing the kids. And it wasn't long till after that Rob and his wife Kim were saved. 
and he sensed a call to ministry and he now serves as the pastor of Grace EC Church in Akron, Pennsylvania, which is near Ephrata. And then of course our own Pastor Josh, who serves as the assistant pastor here at Bethany. Uh, each of these individuals sensed a call. They uh, got a confirmation of that call as they went to a pastoral assessment center for the denomination. And, and then even the, the congregation affirmed the gifts and calling that they see. So there's four, or actually there's five gifts that he lists here. And, I, and it's important for us to look at them just briefly. The first one he mentions is an apostle. An apostle is a person who is divinely called to lead a ministry and nurture people. Uh, and it's usually kind of in a missional setting. Uh, that doesn't mean if you're an apostle, you can't be a church pastor. Um, but uh, many times those who are given this gift find themselves best fit in a missional capacity, a church planting capacity, or something like that. Then there is a prophet, which is mentioned. Uh, this is a person who is divinely called to proclaim the word of God with a divine anointing that results in conviction concerning God's purposes. The prophet speaks with authority and boldness on behalf of God. But let me just say this. They are speaking, before you get like, oh my, um, they are speaking in, in, in this, they're teaching the word of God. There are, I just want to just mention something. There are individuals today who profess to be modern prophets speaking on behalf of God. Sometimes they are characterized by having new revelation. When you hear that, put your caution up because you ought to be cautious. Uh, we need to understand something. Uh, if the message of a prophet agrees with Scripture, then they're emphasizing what God has already said. And if the message of the prophet does not align with Scripture, they're false. And there is some of that out there. In fact, there's a lot of it out there, so be careful. There is the evangelist, a person who is divinely called to present the gospel in a way that others are divinely led to respond favorably. We know one of those famous evangelists, Billy Graham, right? Um, but there are often individuals, a pastor can be, have that gift of evangelism, a gift of being a, a gift of, a, gifted as an evangelist. Um, we need to understand that sometimes there are people in the congregation who have the gift of evangelism, meaning that uh, we're all called upon to share the faith, to share the gospel, to, to share it, to live it. We're called upon to do that. We just want to tell people what God did in our lives. But there are those individuals that they share the gospel and so much happens. This past uh, season of Vacation Bible School, I'm happy to say the gospel was presented every night. And every night there were some children who trusted Christ as Savior. But there was one particular night 
when somebody presented the gospel, it's like everybody wanted to accept Jesus that night, which was great. And many of them actually did. But I believe that that's the Holy Spirit working and using that giftedness in, among people. Then there's another gift, and, and it is the pastor shepherd, a person who is divinely called to be responsible for protecting, guiding, and nurturing a group of believers entrusted to one's care. Now, if I look at my gift, my spiritual giftedness, um, this is my major giftedness. Um, I am a shepherd. I am a nurturer. Um, I'm one of those weirdos that um, when somebody is sick or ill, I go because I want to be there. Um, I remember in my meeting with the individuals that approved me for ordination, somebody said to me, what excites you in ministry? And I said, being able to be there for people when they, when they really need somebody to be there with them. And they said, man, you are weird. Nobody says that to us. <laughs> you know? But it is. I mean, it, that is when I know that God is working through me the most. Let me just say that. That's when I know. Um, then there's one more, and that is a teacher, uh, a person who is divinely called to communicate biblical truth, results in true understanding and spiritual growth. Can a teacher be a pastor? Yes. Will they be a strong nurturer? No. And it's okay because if they have other strong nurturers in the congregation who uh, will do that, they can do that. There are people who have these gifts. They're not divinely called. And they're still used in the ministry of the church. Uh, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the building up of the kingdom of God. But understand that spiritual gifts are given to us by Jesus. Truth number two, the body of Christ is equipped to serve. Part of the reason why it's difficult for us to live in a virtual world exclusively is because it's hard to use your gifts in your living room. It is. He says, beginning in verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, shepherds, and teachers are called to an equipping ministry. Now that word equip means to help to discover, to help to perfect Remember, where do the spiritual gifts come from? God gives them to us, right? So in the church, the pastor or pastors are not the individuals who are expected or should be expected to do everything. Because no matter how gifted an individual may be, they do not possess all of the gifts that are necessary. There are individuals who sometimes expect the pastor to be a jack of all trades. And yes, as a pastor, you have to wear hats that don't necessarily fit well sometimes, but you do what you have to do to get the job done. 
But God equips each individual with gifts and talents. And it is God's design that everybody uses their gifts and talents. Every true believer has at least one spiritual gift. Guess what God expects us to do with that spiritual gift or gifts? He expects us to use it. He expects us to serve within the body of Christ and within his kingdom. I came across this verse and, and yesterday as I was wrapping up my sermon. And in 1 Samuel 12, 24, it says this, Obey the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Remember the great things he has done for you. Friends, there is one body of believers, or one body of Christ, that encompasses all believers. And there are many gifts. And each part has its own function. The bottom line is, we need each other. We need each other to encourage one another. We need each other to serve one another. And we are equipped to serve. And the last truth says this, the body of Christ is equipped to become mature. The purpose of having spiritual gifts is for us to grow up and become mature. In verse 13 and following, it says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the purpose of these gifts is to help the individuals in the body to become spiritually mature. When we use those gifts that God gives us as he intends, people will grow in their faith and in their knowledge of God, and they will become mature in their faith. Unfortunately, when we're unwilling to use our gifts, the body is lacking. Somebody needs to wear that hat and it doesn't fit well. Spiritual growth is actually stunted. And individuals will remain immature. What is spiritual maturity? Sometimes people think that they're spiritually mature because they know a lot about the Bible. But that may not be spiritual maturity because it depends what they do with their knowledge that really makes the difference. Sometimes people think they're spiritually mature because they have trusted Christ for many, many years. But that doesn't necessarily make them mature because perhaps they've not been properly discipled. Maybe they've never really been taught what the Word of God says. There's a man who has begun to follow us a man from the Hershey area. And he started following us with our virtual services during the shutdown last spring. And he still worships online with us on Sundays. And he is on my lunchtime live almost every day throughout the week for that devotion. And he says, I've been a Christian for many years. And he's I'd say 70 plus years old. I learned more in the last 12 months or 18 months now into this thing than I learned in my whole life. 
Many people are not properly discipled. Many people don't have the opportunity to be taught to understand the Word of God. Sometimes people wrongly think they're spiritually mature because of the things they do or don't do. That's not really spiritual maturity either, following a list of do's and don'ts. You see, if someone is spiritually mature, there's evidence. And the scripture says they are attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Meaning, they are becoming fully like Christ. So, let me give you a little bit more of the scripture. It says in verse 14 and following, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. You see, mature believers not only know sound biblical truth, but they hold fast to that truth. And they are in the process of becoming more and more and more like Jesus. They're not led off in every direction by every little thing that comes along. Not only do they know what God says in his word, they seek to do what God says they should do. Remember, James says, do not merely listen to the word of God and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You see, someone who is growing in their faith, someone who is spiritually mature, is aligning themselves with the truth of what God says in his word. That is our source of truth. That is our guidebook for our life. Those who are not mature are easily deceived. They hear something, and they follow off after it. So much of the New Testament was written in, because of the false teachers that were present and were leading people down the wrong path, leading people who once professed to know the truth, and they walked away and, and, and were, were led astray. One who is spiritually mature knows the word of God and they hold fast to its teachings. The immature individual is easily deceived. And so rather than be spiritually immature and easily deceived, he says we need to speak the truth to one another with love. He says in verse 15 and following, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, speaking the truth in love includes speaking the true gospel. Speaking truth about God, truth about sin. Sometimes it even means that we lovingly correct someone who may be going down the wrong path. Many of us would rather avoid any kind of confrontation. But sometimes we need to be able to speak the truth in love and encourage somebody 
before they go astray. Our motivation is always to do so in love. We're becoming mature. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. And our role as members of the body is to use our gifts and our talents to help others to become mature. We are to be built up in love, he says, as each part does its work. And every one of us is a part. Friends, we will never be what God intends for his body to be. We will never be as healthy as we could be until we function together in unity and until each one of us does their part. We are better together than we are as individuals. The body of Christ is equipped for service. We're equipped by Christ. He is the one that gives us spiritual gifts. We're equipped to serve. So we need to know what, we're, what our gifts are and we need to be willing to use them. And the purpose of all that is we're equipped to become mature. Each one must do their part. So here's a question. How are you using your spiritual gifts to serve the church and God's kingdom? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are or your talents might be? Are you using them? Let me go back. You know, um, it's a hard start because the brakes were put on for about 18 months and it's a hard start to get restarted. Um, we still have probably 40% of our people that are worshiping from their living room. They are not even ready to venture in. But it's a hard start. You know, we have many things that we have started back up and um, it's like the really old days, a lot of spectators, very few people on the field. So are you using your gifts? And then the second question is this, is there evidence of spiritual maturity? Now, do you hold fast to biblical truth? Do you understand what biblical truth is? When you, when you, you, know, when you see something on TV or somebody says to you something, you know, do you, are you able to discern that's biblical, I should do that, or pff, I should not only stay away, but I should tell my friend to rethink that and to have more discernment, right? Um, are you becoming more and more like Jesus? Now, you may not be where you want to be. Few of us would say, oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm right where I want to be. No, few of us would say that, if any. But the question is, can you see spiritual growth? Can you see spiritual progress in your life? We ought to be able to see that. We ought to be able to measure that as, our, as individuals. You know, are you growing spiritually? And what does the evidence say? 
Father God, we are thankful for the teaching. And, and Lord, I know there was so much to cover today. But I pray that each one of us would examine ourselves and we would examine the gifts and the talents that you have given to us. And we would ask ourselves, are we using them? And we realize, Lord, that you bring us together in a, in a, and gift us as a group of individuals. So it's so important that everyone does their part. So, Lord, I trust your spirit will work and move among us and lead us. And that we will follow. In Jesus' name.